Y'all Show is here on a great Tuesday across the southeast. Hope y'all are doing good. Get strapped in. We're here for a three-hour journey across the 16 southern states. I'm your host, John Rawl, and it's going to be all southern going forward. We've got news from across Dixie that we're going to be sharing with you. We'll be telling you about some stuff that has been out of this world today. How about Mr. Bezos and what he's done in West Texas today here on the anniversary of the lunar landing? How about Jeff Bezos? Didn't know if he could pull it off, but it appears that he has done just that with his Blue Origin Company. Congratulations. We'll let you know about that here on today's Y'all Show. Other headlines include, we got a couple of Mormon-related headlines as the Mormon Temple in Washington, D.C. is now open for the first time in, I think, 50 years. And more Mormon news, the University of Virginia is getting a massive trove of Mormon memorabilia. So to all of our Mormon listeners, we've got some Mormon-related news coming your way on the Y'all Show. we got some controversy as Arkansas is trying to beef up the number of people getting the vaccine. Well, guess what? A person has just won a million bucks for the Arkansas vaccine incentive. But there's a little problem. The winner is from Texas. <laughs> I don't think natural state people are going to be too happy about that. We'll let you know about that. We've got plenty of Florida man stories to report on today. We also will tell you how thieves posing as utility workers stole $25,000 of jewelry from a little old widow. Goodness gracious, what kind of low lives do we have to report on today? And you know what? I'm going to use a phrase. You know exactly what I'm talking about if you are out shopping these times. You know what I'm talking about, but you've never heard it described the way it should be described. I'm going to tell you all about Target Balls today. Do y'all know what a Target Ball is? Have you ever been to Target? Have you ever gone walking into a Target store and seen those gigantic red balls? I don't know why they have those, but I think I do know why they have them because that's why we're talking about Target balls on today's Y'all Show. Some moron in North Carolina has driven onto one of these Target balls and got stuck, and I'll let you know about that. Plus, it's July. It's almost July 25th, not quite. But in the spirit of July, we're going to talk about Santa Claus. And we've got a feel-good story about Santa Claus coming to us from the Commonwealth of Kentucky. All that, plus how you can spend the night in a good old-fashioned general store. You know, we've got these VRBOs or Verbos all over the landscape now where you can go and, you know, plop down a couple of hundred dollars a night for a nice, nice hotel or really it's not a hotel it's usually somebody's house well there is a old school general store that i'll tell you about that you can go and spend the night in at your leisure i know you've always wanted to spend the night there amongst the candy jars and the dog food of an old general store and we will tell you where you can go as we walk through our headlines of today's y'all show then we are going to go back to hoover alabama Today, it's day two of the SEC Media Days, and we're going to hear from a couple of the SEC East head coaches. Up first today, it's Kirby Smart and those Georgia Bulldogs, as UGA was at the mic here on day two. We'll hear from the coach of the Dogs and get his take on his hot new quarterback. Well, he's not that new. He was there between the hedges last year 
But his quarterback is JT Daniels, the USC transfer. And I'm not talking about the one in Columbia. I'm talking about the USC in Los Angeles. What a great job he did in 2020. And Kirby Smart is going to talk about JT Daniels and his bunch of dogs as he was at the mic at Media Days 2021 today. And we will discuss that here in hour number one. And then we have other sports news coming in. In fact, Nick Saban talking about one of his quarterbacks and how his quarterback is uh, cha-ching, cashing in right now. We'll have info on that here in hour one as part of our Southern Sports Update. And then today on the Y'all Show, we're going to take you to Orlando. Orlando in the summertime It's a place that we've all wanted to go because of SeaWorld. It's a place we've wanted to go to because of Disney World and all the other great attractions that you'll find in Central Florida. However, today on Talk with a Southern Accent, we're going to go to Orlando because there happens to be in that area of the Sunshine State one of the largest schools, period, one of the largest university schools, places of higher education in the entire country. And that's the University of Central Florida. And on today's Y'all Show, we're on a 44-city tour across the South, getting you ready for the start of college football. And it's those UCF Knights that are our spotlight here on today's Y'all Show. And we're going to tell you about the Knights. What a great program has been built there out of nowhere, out of nothing. And UCF has done so well that their coach got hired away to go coach the Tennessee Vols, and now they've got an SEC coach coaching the program in Gus Malzahn of Auburn, now the Knights skipper. So we're going to put UCF, the traditions, the famous alumni of this AAC school, all that will be spotlighted here on the Y'all Show, as this today is it's all Knights. So get your black and gold on And let's talk about this team that claims a national championship in college football in just the last few years. All nights coming later this hour. And hour three, we'll put UCF back in the spotlight as we'll give you a little bit more about some of the famous alumni of the University of Central Florida and some of the great traditions that you'll find when you go to, it was called Bright House Network Stadium. I think it's still called that. But y'all know how these corporate names go in sports. They kind of sometimes change names every few years but it's all ucf nights here on the y'all show tuesday edition before this hour is up we also have a little political news we'll be sharing believe it or not the free britney movement is picking up speed with some of our legislators and the most recent politico that's come out and trying to help out the conservatorship battle that britney spears is undergoing right now is a lady who's in her first term as a congressman from the great state of South Carolina. Nancy Mace has come out and spoke on behalf of Britney Spears as they're trying to get Miss Hit Me, Hit Me One More Time to Washington, D.C. and talk about this mess that is a conservatorship. All that's coming. Plus, before the hour's up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay into Tom Brady. Dadgummit, Tom Brady, you've let me down. I told you not to do something, and you... Did not listen to me. And I know you might be the Super Bowl quarterback and you're Mr. Everything. You're the GOAT, the greatest of all times, supposedly. But you made me mad, and I'll tell you all why when we have our little brief Southern Political Report later this hour. Hour two, we got some entertainment news that we'll pass along, including some stuff going on at NBC, that network network. 
that's known for the little colorful peacock. We'll let you know about some of their fall lineup. Also, we'll give you the latest out of Nashville and Music City in our entertainment report hour two. Then we'll also go back to the Winfrey Hotel in Hoover, and it's the Tennessee Vols' brand new coach, Josh Heupel. He at the he's at the mic today. We've got some audio from the new Vols skipper as he's got his big orange on and he's ready to talk about the Tennessee Vols. We'll hear from Coach Heupel here today, speaking in Birmingham. All that plus food talk. We'll discuss what's up at y'all.com, which is, by the way, the website that puts this little show here, the Y'all Show, up and going each and every day. All that coming in Hour 2, Hour 3, more UCF talk. We also have Melissa Rhodes dropping by. She's got a southern accent on southern art. That's coming up. All that and more. want to welcome you into the program. I'm General John Rawl, CSA, Certified Southern American. If you want to get in touch with us here, Well, there's a couple of easy ways to do that. You can easily pick up the telephone and text us our number. And we're available to take your text 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That number is, go ahead, jot it down, put it on the fridge, 803-816-1170. So dang easy for you to reach out to us with a question, comment, suggestion, criticism, praise, or Maybe you just dialed the wrong number. Oh, I got something to say about that in a sec. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with y'all. Also, we are at y'all.com. Y'all.com is the South's homepage. Go there right now and check out fantastic feature stories. We've got some fantastic interviews that we did via video. All that and more at Y-A-L-L. The best four-letter word that mama never told you about, y'all.com. It's the South homepage. Go there and learn about what's going on here in the 16 southern states. Also, we're available in podcast form. If you miss out a portion of the show airing on fantastic radio stations across the southeast, we are available for you to go anytime you feel like it and listen to the podcast of y'all. All you have to do is go to the following. You can go to y'all.com. We've got a nice big red and white button at the top that says The Y'all Show. Click on that and you'll be able to access our podcast archives of the show all about the South. But we also were available in the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, the Apple Podcast app, and the Stitcher app. Making it extremely easy for you to get in touch with what's going on across the Southeast. We are Y'all Talk with a southern accent. Now, back to my little soapbox before we get into the headlines. If you don't mind, if you don't mind, because I think this is probably happening to y'all too, not just y'all the website, but y'all as in y'all. <laughs> so I'm falling asleep earlier today. I usually don't go to bed until technically around 12.01 a.m. And I'm in that first hour of just peaceful, great sleep. And it's going so well. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the tweet sound, the little tweety bird sound that some of you had on your smartphones, I get that little message. And, of course, my first reaction, like most of you would have at 1 o'clock in the morning, is, oh, my God, who's dead? Who is in jail? What's going on? And I open it up. I'm, I mean, it has, it has awakened me, and I'm ready to see what's going on. First of all, 
I don't know about you, but when I get awakened like that, it takes me a couple of seconds for my eyes to adjust. And I wear contacts, so I got to drop the solution in my eyes. I got to put on my readers. It's a, it's a little bit of an ordeal for most of us uh, after a certain age. And after I finally get all that done and I, I get down to read what the darn text to me was at 1 o'clock in the dang morning, it was spam. It was spam. I don't even know what it was about. But how, how ridiculous that you're getting spam text messages in the middle of the night. It's bad enough you get spam phone calls in the daytime. And now text messages coming in. This is a major crisis, y'all. And I don't know about you, I keep my phone within earshot of my bed, basically within an arm's distance, because you never know when you might need to take a phone call or get a text. But I don't need to be getting spam. Oh, so mad. So today, as we have a great time, as we usually do here on the show all about the South, if I seem a little perturbed, if I seem a little mad as a yellow jacket, that's because I still haven't got over this darn spam probably coming in from china i'm going to blame china for most things uh yeah i'm not too happy about it and something tells me unfortunately a lot of y'all can relate to my problem that i just had over the last couple hours okay enough of my soapbox but it's a very if y'all know how to stop that if y'all know how to keep the people from whatever countries get a big kick out of waking us southerners up in the middle of the night boy boy do we need to talk because I don't like it. Looking at headlines from across the southeast as we get things going here on Talk with a Southern Accent. First off, we'll tell you about some news coming to us from West Texas. As today, congratulations to Jeff Bezos, the Amazon founder. He went and did it as he accomplished the mission of getting into space with his own rocket company. As his company was able to go up Blue Origin as it had its first flight with people on board. And Jeff Bezos, the cousin of George Strait, becomes the second billionaire in just over a week to go up into space in his own spacecraft. Now, he was accompanied by a hand-picked group. His own brother went up with him, also an 18-year-old from the Netherlands and an 82-year-old aviation pioneer also from Texas. So you had three of the four going up in West Texas from the Lone Star State. And they went up for about 10 minutes into orbit, if you will. Named after America's first astronaut, Blue Origin's New Shepard, named after Alan Shepard, it soared on the 52nd anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing, a date obviously chosen for its historical significance. And we have another billionaire that has accomplished their goal. Now, just the other day, Richard Branson of Virgin Galactic went up for his own flight. That was from New Mexico. So who knew that West Texas and New Mexico are becoming the space hub of the whole world? And that looks like where they, because they've been successful, they can start charging big prices and having people go up into outer space. And Jeff Bezos, after he successfully touched down on the desert floor in West Texas after this 10-minute flight, called it his best day ever. Got to give him credit. I know a lot of the conservative folks out aren't exactly big fans of what Bezos has done with the Washington Post and what his Amazon's done. But he had a mission. He put a lot of money and effort into it. And as of today, 
it was a successful mission for Mr. Bezos. So congratulations to Jeff Bezos of Texas on this incredible feat. Story from Virginia. Afghans who have helped the United States military over the last 20 years in the fight in Afghanistan. Afghanis who were sympathetic to the American effort there are being evacuated to an army base in Virginia. This group includes about 700 Afghans who worked for the military and roughly 1,800 of their family members. And they're being relocated right now to this military base in Virginia. Fort Lee is where they're being temporarily housed. That is an army base south of Richmond. According to the Department of Defense, the administration announced earlier this month that it would soon begin relocating Afghan visa seekers under an initiative known as Operation Allies Refuge. And here we have several thousand, it looks like, of Afghanis coming legally and deservedly to the United States, and in this case to Fort Lee, south of Richmond, as they're being relocated from this unfortunate collapse in Afghanistan. After 20 years and so much American bloodshed, essentially we're just walking away from Afghanistan. I thought surely we would have some kind of force to fend off the Taliban, but that looks like not going to happen. And we're, we're done. We're essentially doing in Afghanistan what we did in Iraq. And it's just a real insult. Not sure we should have been in some of these places to start with, but if you're going to have Americans give their lives, you at least ought to be able to have some kind of presence to, to not let the country come, turn completely the other way, which is kind of what's happened in Iraq and looks like Afghanistan's the next chapter. Not trying to get all international in our news coverage here today, but that's the story coming out of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And frankly, as I said, I'm not opposed to these people coming because they're going to be killed. Every single one of them will be killed by the Taliban. I'm not sure the Taliban is going to wipe out 25% of the country. I know that our media pundits here have been bragging over the last 20 years about how the Afghanis are enjoying their new liberties and women are getting a chance to get an education, maybe drive. Look, the Taliban doesn't live in the 21st century, and they don't care about women's rights. And that's a part of the world where, frankly, they don't care about much of anything except for the religion and getting by from day to day. And so this foreign power called the United States coming in there for 20 years and preaching this 21st century way of life, it doesn't go well. And now that you're leaving, abandoning the people there, they're going to be heavy, heavy-handed in the way they're going to come down with the population in that country. And it's not going to be pretty. And if, if you're a, someone who has been in that country and served, I think you would understand what I'm saying. And it's just another mess in that part of the world that we've had to deal with. But Iraq and Afghanistan are not the same case, and I realize that. But it looks like some Afghanis now are going to be spared and have a chance to come to this country. Have you heard of monkeypox? Well, one Dallas resident has just returned from Nigeria with a case of monkeypox. In a statement, federal and state health officials said the traveler arrived at Dallas Love Field back on July 9th. They came in from Atlanta after an overnight flight from Nigeria. The CDC says the risk to others on the flights and the airport is low, especially in light of COVID-19-related masking policies. 
Monkeypox is a rare viral pox-like disease from the smallpox family, but it's actually a little milder. It can be transmitted through respiratory droplets, contact with body fluids, or contact with an infected animal or animal products. But monkeypox, an outbreak, at least one person and maybe in others coming to us from central Texas here this week. Did you realize that Memphis is known for a lot of things? Great barbecue, great music, Bill Street more, Memphis Grizzlies, pretty good basketball team in the NBA. Unfortunately, Memphis is also known for crime. And Memphis has now the most burglaries per capita in the entire country. That's right. New data coming out showing that Memphis is number one. This study by Porch shows that out of all American cities, the Bluff City, more burglaries per capita. The study looked at FBI numbers, and it shows an average of 1,384 burglaries per 100,000 residents each year. And that was compared to 422 burglaries at the national level. So Memphis, it is more than three times likely if you're in the city limits of Shelby County's Memphis, you're going to be burglarized. FBI data from 2015 to 2019, and I lived in Memphis in those years. I lived briefly there, and I got burglarized. Not my house, but my car got burglarized twice. I guess that would be called burglary. FBI data shows the numbers of burglaries across the country was cut in half, but there are still hot spots like Memphis, according to this study. So just be careful if you're a Memphis resident. We feel for you. And unfortunately, these numbers likely going up across the country, and they're definitely going up in Memphis, the burglary capital of the country right now, unfortunately for that historic city on the banks of the mighty Mississippi in West Tennessee. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. we got a whole lot more to get with you about before we're done in a couple of hours. Stay tuned. Up next, we're going to shift over and talk a little sports here as we're going to hear from the head dog, Kirby Smart. He's at SEC Media Days Day 2, and we'll hear what Georgia's football coach has to say about his program. That plus other news from the sports world. It's NBA Finals game number six taking place today. We'll let you know about that, plus a passage in the tennis world who lived in Florida. All that's ahead on y'all. It's Georgia Bulldog Talk right here on Y'all Talk with a Southern accent. How about them silver britches? As Georgia has been quite good on the gridiron over the last couple of years, just missed out on that national championship when they had to take on Alabama a few years ago. A guy named Tua had something to do with that. But Kirby Smart and company look to get back to Atlanta, get back to a national championship game appearance. And Kirby Smart today was at the SEC Media Days, day number two. And we're going to break it all down here as part of our Southern sports coverage of this, the Y'all Show, talk with a Southern accent with your host, John Rawl. As Georgia, joined by Kentucky's Mark Stoops, 
Mississippi coach Lane Kiffin, and Tennessee coach Josh Heupel all at the microphone on day number two at the Winfrey Hotel in the Birmingham suburb of Hoover. Now, in hour number two, we're going to let you hear direct from the Tennessee coach Josh Heupel as he made his very first SEC Media Days appearance as a head coach. All that's coming. And if we can squeeze in maybe an hour number three, a little UK and a little UM talk coming from Stoops and Lane Kiffin, we'll have all that coming in hour three. But up first, it's the head dog. Kirby Smart, I think he's done a pretty darn good job. He had a rough start. He had a winning season in his first year. But he got trampled. I remember one time when Georgia waltzed into Vault Hemingway Stadium. They were absolutely shell-shocked there in Mississippi. And then it seems like he's turned the program since that game and turned it around in a big way. And they have been a very, very good college football program. And they're looking to capitalize on where they went last year. They brought in a transfer from USC. The Trojans quarterback was JT Daniels. He got in the transfer portal and found his way, instead of in Tinseltown, he found his way in the classic city of Athens, Georgia. And in his first year as an SEC quarterback, JT Daniels did a great job. Remember, Georgia got a chance to go to a New Year's Six Bowl at the end of 2020 as they went to the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And they beat Cincinnati, the AAC champion, and the lone group of six that ended up in a New Year's Six game. Georgia has had a very, very good run of it over the last few years. But Georgia fans, that's not good enough. UGA fans want a national championship. They want an SEC championship. They'll settle really for either, but they really want a national championship. And you got to feel for Georgia. Georgia is surrounded by champions. Georgia is surrounded by a champion in its own state. As the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, 1990, won a national championship. That was sooner than the Dogs last natty, which came in 1980. And then Georgia, I don't mean to tick you off here, you you hairy dogs, but it was just a couple of years ago that the Clemson Tigers won two national championships. Clemson is about an hour and a half up the road from Athens, and those two teams get together in the season opener this year. So Clemson's won a national championship. Georgia Tech's won a national championship. The Tennessee Volunteers have won a national championship since Georgia won its 1980 national championship. Alabama's won about 1,000 national championships. Auburn's won, and so have the Florida State Seminoles and the Florida Gators. So champions everywhere except for the South Carolina Gamecocks. They need to step up their uh, play there in Columbia. Other than that, and I guess since Georgia borders North Carolina, the Tar Heels nor the Wolfpack are Demon Deacons nor the Duke Blue Devils and David Cut- David Cutcliffe. You better win a national championship, son. Other than that, Georgia, you're surrounded by champs, and I know that has to really, really tick you off. Well, JT Daniels might be the savior for the red and black as Georgia gets ready to start its 2021 season. Kirby Smart was at the Winfrey Hotel today. Let's go in and now hear the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, and he ends up talking here as he gets a question from the media about his quarterback, Daniels, and his decision to give him some airtime, if you will, in the 2020 season. It was a tough decision because we had Jamie Newman. We felt good about Jamie uh, from the tape we had seen, being around Jamie. Jamie was with us for that brief window of uh, 
off-season workouts before COVID hit. So we didn't really know because we didn't get to go through spring practice. But when JT went in the portal, we felt like, you know, the way to improve your roster is to make sure that you have all positions covered. We weren't sure what we had at quarterback. And not knowing what we had, even past Jamie being one year, we felt like JT could be the guy after Jamie. And uh, it was a situation where we had a little bit of a quarterback deficit, and we were able to improve our roster, getting Jamie, getting Stetson, who came back from junior college, and then getting JT on the roster. So I'm excited to see what he can do this year. I think his growth uh, has been more physical than mental. Although you're always growing as a quarterback mentally because you get experiences, he's a guy that's played a lot of football between high school, USC, and our place, but he's, he's gotten his knee in better shape. He's gotten uh, more mobile and can move a little bit, and I think he's got a lot more confidence, and uh, he's got a better relationship with the players around him. Coach, to your right on the front row. Hey, Kirby. David Kloniker with the Charleston Post and Courier. Uh, there's been some chatter about maybe moving to a nine-game conference season one year. Uh, what would you think about that? I have no issue with that. I think that's the more that you play really good competition, I think it's a great opportunity for our conference, more exposure, better games. Uh, one of the biggest things that we're heading, that we're going to have to head off as leaders in uh, college athletics is our fan base. And there's nothing better than that. I think uh, those, those games are, are – the more times you play conference opponents, I, th I think it's a great situation. I think the fear is um, hurting yourself uh, – eating your own, as I would say, in terms of playoffs and things like that. So if the expansion of the playoff continues to be conversation, then playing more conference games is going to increase our strength of schedule. Coach, to your left, second row. Hey, Coach, Georgia Chambers. So you touched on this. JT going into last season was reco recovering from a torn ACL. So what was key in his recovery process, and how have you seen him develop as an SEC quarterback? Biggest, uh, he had a cleanup on his ACL when he before he came to us, and then he had to go in and get some scar tissue taken out. I think you know during the summer as he was rehabbing. But Ron Corson will tell you our medical uh, kind of expert. He he said I've never seen someone beat me here for treatment every morning, and he's here ready to go bright and early, and uh, just a very diligent young man that worked really hard on his rehab because he wants to play football for a long time. Uh, he's very detailed in his uh, dedication to, to rehab. And he did a tremendous job, and I uh, think he's in a better position this year. Coach, to your left, second row. Hey, Kirby. Uh, you've known Quavo. How did you meet Quavo, and what's your favorite Migos song? I, could, I didn't hear that. You said, where did I meet him? How did you, how did you meet him? Uh, I was talking about it out there. It, it started around the playoff run we had in um, – I don't know if it was – I think it was the SEC championship game. might have been the first time he joined us on the sideline when we beat Auburn. And then uh, he, he joined us out at the Rose Bowl. And then he was, I believe, on the sideline. I'm not sure if he was or not for the national championship game. Um, but he's been a part. He's come and spoke to our players before. Um, he, he does a good job uh, talking to our players because I don't – I think our players respect and listen. Uh, to Quavo and they understand and he, he loves football people don't understand he was a high school football player and embraced football think you know he wants to be a quarterback and um, he goes to a lot of events with NFL players and things and uh, he's been a good uh, when it comes to giving advice to our players they listen and uh, he had some good advice for him in NIL I have no idea what in the world he's talking about there so apologies who Quavo, I know who Jose Quavo was. There's actually a pretty good country music song called Jose Quavo, Shelly West. I'm looking at you. 
Yeah, but uh, I have to look into that one. Kirby Smart, that was earlier today at the SEC Media Days, day two from the Winfrey Hotel in Beeham, technically Hoover, Alabama. And again, the schedule today has Kirby, Mark Stoops, Lane Kiffon, and Josh Heupel of the Tennessee Volunteers. So it's dogs, wildcats, land sharks, and vols on day two. Coming up on the Wednesday coverage from Hoover, Alabama, it's the god of football himself at the microphone. Nick Saban will be in Birmingham, technically Hoover, technically Winfrey Hotel, technically Shopping Mall. (laughs) He'll be there on Wednesday, as well as Mississippi State coach Mike Leach, Jimbo Fisher, Gigum. He'll be there, and the new coach of the Vanderbilt Commodores, Clark Lee, all speaking at day number three of the SEC. Now, also, we have coming up on Wednesday, day number one of the Atlantic Coast Conference as they have their media event going on in Charlotte, and we'll try to get you some coverage out of the ACC as we're having media days big time. And you know what that means, everybody? That means we're just that much closer to the start of college football. Now, some of y'all probably can't stand sports some of y'all can't stand college football but i hate to tell you this you're outnumbered there there's so many people that live for college football there's so many people live for sports in general and it no matter if you don't like it it's all around you especially if you live in a state that's got sports betting and you can't escape all these draft kings and fan duels of the world who are advertising trying to get your money and even the sport fan who's not exactly the biggest person that watches every game, now they're more inclined to watch this stuff because you can pull out your little phone and place a bet, and you can make money. Cold, hard, not really cold, hard, because it's all virtual, (laughs) but it's better than Bitcoin. Yeah, all that is available if you live in one of those crazy states that's got this kind of app stuff available. But a lot of states don't have it. I've got to do some research. I know... Some states you would think this would already be on the books. It's not on. Like Texas, you cannot bet sports betting in the state of Texas. And other states, you can go into a casino and and bet, but you can't do that. We'll have to break that down sometime. But college football, just weeks away. And we're also getting some news from that guy, the god of football, Nick Saban. I know he's going to be at the podium on Wednesday, but he's already coming out talking about his QB, Bryce Young, as the Alabama quarterback, according to his head coach, Nick Saban, is approaching a million dollars in endorsement deals. One million dollars for a college football quarterback. And that's actually less than a lot of these other deals that have recently been announced since July 1st. The NIL rules went into effect. Name, image, likeness. Nick Saban and his quarterback, Approaching a million dollars in endorsement deals, according to the coach. As Nick Saban told the Texas High School Coaches Association's convention today, that the sophomore quarterback is due to make what he called. It's funny I mentioned Nick Saban is a god. Well, Saban used these words in describing his quarterback's endorsement deals ungodly numbers. Now, the coach wouldn't divulge the specifics of the deals, but the quarterback of Alabama has signed all kinds of deals. And it's a lot of money. Now, I still want to know, 
Does Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, does he have an endorsement deal with Milo's T like the quarterback Bo Nix has with the Auburn Tigers? And that ended up having Crimson Tide fans pour out their Milo's famous sweet tea because they were mad that Milo's didn't have a Crimson Tide spokesperson. I'm sure they've remedied that solution by now. But, yeah, not, not exactly all going great in terms of Milo's and their support in the heart of Dixie right now. But Saban, again, talking on Tuesday, he's going to be in Birmingham at the Winfrey Hotel for the uh, third day of the SEC Media Days event. NBA basketball, you have game number six taking place, and that's taking place this evening. It'll be a 9 Eastern, 8 o'clock Milwaukee time start on ABC It's the Bucks and the Phoenix Suns, and Milwaukee can clinch the NBA Finals with a victory. And they've come up; they've made a nice turnaround after dropping the first two in this series. Giannis, the Greek freak, and his fellow Bucks teammates went and fought hard in Game Number Five and got that road win. Now they got a chance to wrap it up at home. This series could, thankfully, and I say mercifully, end the NBA playoffs, which last about six months, frankly. And that could come to an end if Milwaukee wins this game. If not, the deciding Game 7 will be Thursday in Phoenix between Milwaukee and the Phoenix Suns. A passage in the world of tennis at 94 years, young Hall of Famer Shirley Fry Irvin has died. Her death announced by the International Tennis Hall of Fame. She was a 1970 inductee of that Hall of Fame. She lived in Naples, Florida. She won her first Grand Slam singles title at the French Open back in 1951 and has been one of the legends of women's tennis. She won 13 Grand Slam doubles titles and ended up being a huge force out on the court. She grew up in Akron, Ohio, and at age 14 back in 1941, she made the first of 16 consecutive appearances at the U.S. National Championships. A Hall of Fame tennis player, Shirley Fry Irvin, has passed away. A winner of three consecutive major titles back in the 1950s. She has now passed away at age 94. Our thoughts there to the tennis world and to her family. When we come back on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, we have more college football talk to get to. I told you it's kind of a big deal here in Dixie. When we return after this short timeout, we will tell you all about the UCF Knights. That's where we're dropping by as the the Knights are today's spotlight on our 44-city tour of college football teams and traditions and more. And we'll tell you all about Gus Malzahn's brand-new football team. That's ahead on the Y'all Show. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. As mentioned, UCF is where we're going to be focused on for the next few minutes as the Knights have a really good football program. If you don't believe me, just a few years ago, they claimed a national championship when they beat Auburn in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. They have actually hired away that losing coach, Gus Malzahn, as Gus is the new coach at UCF following Josh Heupel's departure for Rocky Top. And so UCF fans have a lot that they're excited about about this program. Their first game of the 2021 season is against Boise State, and that's going to be a game played at the Bounce House, the game played there in Orlando, and it will be on September 2nd, Thursday, September 2nd, at Bounce House Stadium in Orlando, Florida. It's Boise State. Then they play their neighbor, Bethune-Cookman, as Bethune-Cookman, a new member of the SWAC, comes over for a game on September 11th. The Knights will be then taking on the the AAC is taking on the ACC when the Knights and the Louisville Cardinals get together in Louisville on September 17th. And then the AAC opener is on the road as UCF will be visiting the United States Naval Academy, Midshipmen and Knights on October 2nd. Family weekend there at Bounce House will be taking place on October 9th when the East Carolina Pirates come in for a game. The Knights will be on the road against the defending AAC champion Cincinnati Bearcats on October 16th. The Knights will be hosting the Memphis Tigers on October 22nd. They'll be on the road at Temple October 30th. Homecoming is against the Tulane Green Wave on November 6th. They'll be in Big D to take on SMU on November 13th. Then they wrap up their season against UConn and their in-state rival USF. That's a look at Gus Malzahn's 2021 schedule as he is the new coach of UCF. Now, this is a program that did not even start playing football until 1979. And, boy, what a great job they've done. I'm I'm trying to remember. It wasn't until the 1990s that I first remember hearing about this school called UCF. They they started out as a Division III school. Remember, this is a college that, frankly, is not all that old. I'm going to tell you more about the – University itself when we get into the third hour of today's y'all show. But back in the 1990s, they moved up. It was in 1990. The program moved to 1AA at the time. And then I think before the decade and was over in 1996, they moved on to the Division I ranks and hired Steve Sloan, former coach at Mississippi. And I think he also coached the Chattanooga Mocs as he came on as the athletic director at UCF. Dante Culpepper, boy, he was a great quarterback for them, and he helped them to a winning season, one of their first winning seasons as a Division I member. And Culpepper and company had a lot of great seasons. Ultimately, UCF ended up going into the closet, if you will. Didn't hear from them maybe quite as much for several years. And then in 2004, George O'Leary, the former Georgia Tech coach who had done a great job leading the Ramblin' Wreck, he gets hired, and he had a couple of rough years. But, boy, did he turn this program around. And they ended up, as a member of Conference USA, having a couple of great seasons and ended up just really helping put the team on, on the map. As, again, a conference championship under George O'Leary, They won titles in CUSA in 2007 and 2010. Then they moved over to the American Conference, and they won a conference title in 2013 and in 2014. 
O'Leary ends up leaving, I think, after 2015 when UCF in 2015 did not win a single game. They lost to the to the Furman Paladins of the Southern Conference of FCS. Furman went down there and beat them in a game in 2015. And so ended up O'Leary got fired, I think, and Scott Frost comes in. Scott Frost goes 13-0 and and claims a national championship in 2017 when his Knights went 13-0, 8-0 conference record. Then Josh Heupel the very next year ends up having a 12-0 season, 8-0 conference record. And again, with Scott Frost, they claimed a national championship after they defeated Auburn in the Peach Bowl 34-27. The UCF Knights, and again, Heupel hired away in the offseason because Tennessee had fired their coach. Tennessee also had fired their athletic director. So Danny White, the UCF athletic director, gets hired at Tennessee. He turns around and hires his old coach at UCF in Josh Heupel. And by the way, we'll hear from Heupel in a few minutes when He's going to be talking about his Tennessee Vols program of today because he was at the SEC Media Days Day 2 today. But right now, still keeping the black and gold of UCF in mind. So, Heupel gets hired at Tennessee. That creates an opening in the offseason. And lo and behold, congratulations to UCF. I think they made a great hire as they have brought in the Gus Bus to the mouse. Gus Malzahn is the new coach at UCF, as he had been at Auburn from 2013 to 2020. He'd done a great job at Arkansas State in the one year. He had been coaching the Indian Red Wolves back in 2012. And now this coach, who has won an SEC championship, he won the Western Division a couple of times too, coach of the year in the Southeastern Conference, the Bobby Bowden NC National Collegiate Coach of the Year back in 2013 when his Tigers should have and could have won a national championship. Gus Malzahn, the Arkansas native, now coaching UCF. And it's going to be really fun to see how he takes this program, maybe even to another level, because they're not at the bottom. UCF has built an incredible little football program over the last couple of years with a couple of different coaches, by the way. And now the latest coach, Gus Malzahn, leading this AAC program, and it will be Really, really fun to watch the excitement of having this proven coach come in. This is not a coach who is trying to get to the mountaintop. He's been to the mountaintop. He didn't win a national championship. But Nitro's going to be cheering him on. The marching Knights will be playing loud and proud for Gus Malzahn and the UCF football team as they get ready for that rivalry with USF and great games that will be played I mean, how about Boise State coming all the way into Orlando for that first game on this 2021 schedule? That ought to be well worth watching. ESPN, by the way, that's going to be their primetime game on that Thursday of the Labor Day weekend when the Broncos and the Knights have that first game of 2021. So it's UCF Knights football 2021. They are today's stop on our tour across the southeast. On the Wednesday, y'all show, we'll be going to Fort Worth as the TCU Horn Frogs will be our spotlight school, so you don't want to miss out on that. But uh, just a pleasure here talking about college football with you on the Y'all Show, and we will continue in hour number three of today's Y'all Show, tell you more about the University of Central Florida, its incredible amount of students that it has there on the Orlando campus, that plus some of the traditions and alumni 
of UCF. When the Y'all Show comes right back, we're going to have a political report. Britney Spears and politics. Tom Brady and politics. Huh. We'll tell you what all that means right after the break. More than 20 years ago, that girl from the North Shore of Louisiana hit it big with songs like that one. And usually, big pop stars like Britney Spears fade over time, but man, she is getting as much publicity these days as she did back in the late 90s. In fact, she's in a really nasty conservatorship fight going on, and today... Florida Democratic Congressman Charlie Chris, the former mayor of the Sunshine, the former governor rather of the Sunshine State, and Nancy Mace of South Carolina, the freshman congressman who represents the Low Country. She and Representative Christ unveiled the Free Britney Act, which is designed to give more options to people placed under conservatorships. Those include the ability to talk about their situations with caseworkers over any objections from their conservators, also to petition a court to replace their conservators without having to, quote, prove wrongdoing or malfeasance. Now, I know Mace and Chris are the ones getting the attention today, but you got to hand it to Matt Gates, the Florida congressman who is from the Panhandle, as he's the first one to come out and speak on behalf of Britney Spears and her really unfortunate legal battle that's been playing out in the courts of California, but also in the news and even on the Y'all Show, for goodness sakes. This is the Y'all Show Political Report, taking a few minutes to talk about political news. And how about that, a Democratic and Republican congressperson getting together in D.C. trying to help out Britney Spears. Now, also coming out of Washington, D.C. today is the fact that the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers went and saw Papa Joe as the Buccaneers went to the White House as they were invited to come see the President Joe Biden and celebrate their Super Bowl title. And Tom Brady saying, it's nice for me to be back here. Okay, now I'm going to shift over from political correspondent here on the Y'all Show to Tom Brady critic. Dadgummit, Tom, you won a Super Bowl just a few years ago when a guy named Donald Trump was president and you were a little wimp and you didn't go with your New England Patriots teammates and you were a friend of Tom, uh, of Donald Trump, how could you not go to the White House and now you're going with a Democrat like Biden in the office? I'm just really, un- I think it's an unfortunate thing and I don't remember his reason if he gave any back in 2018 or whenever it was when the Patriots did go to the White House. Remember, there was a big episode going on for a while of all these sports teams refusing to go see Donald Trump in the Oval Office. And I am going to just single out two sports teams that went out of their way to go, and both of those teams deserve the credit. 
the Clemson Tigers, when they won their national championship, they went to the White House. President Trump loaded them up with all kinds of fast food as they were, I guess, under the time constraint of not being able to go have a good meal while in Washington, D.C. So he had, I think, Chick-fil-A and McDonald's and Burger King all brought into the White House. But the Clemson Tigers had a great time. And they, they, I think they ended up going twice when Donald Trump was president to celebrate a national championship. And then how about the hometown Washington Nationals? They also went and had an unbelievable experience. How about Suzuki, the former Braves catcher who ended up being on the Nationals when they won their World Series title. Remember all the praise that he gave Donald Trump when they stopped by the White House? Now, that was, of course, in complete opposite in terms of the reaction that you had from some of the other teams, from especially the NBA, WNBA, who refused to go to the White House. And now Tom Brady, I'm mad at him that he's got a double standard. He did not go when Trump was there, and now he goes when Biden's in the office. A guy who, again, is usually flawless. And I've not been a Tom Brady fan because I haven't really liked the teams that he's been on primarily. And he played college football, for goodness sakes, at Michigan. And he's from California. But I know he's a good guy, and I know he's got the supermodel wife, and things have gone really well throughout his life. But today, Tom... I'm mad at you, son, and I know you're probably going to lose sleep tonight worrying about that guy on the Y'all Show calling you out, as I'm doing today. <laughs> but congratulations again to the Bucks Super Bowl champions, and today they're celebrating that title, going to see President Joe Biden. I wonder if the real president was also somewhere around the corner. Hmm. I'll just leave it there. We've got a whole nother hour of talk with a Southern accent coming right up, and you're going to enjoy it. We've got more coming out of the SEC Media Days, day number two, and we've got more entertainment news. We'll also give you some good stuff out of Nashville, Music City, all that, plus Josh Heifel, Tennessee Vols coach, and we have more on y'all.com, what's up on the homepage of the South. That's ahead. Stay tuned. marching through the south here on the show that's all southern if you got a little y'all in your drawl well we're the show for y'all we are y'all talk with a southern accent with your host john rawl the general of all things southern and here as we find ourselves smack dab at the end of july frankly hey happy uh, what is it 52 anniversary 52 years since the lunar landing And today, big news in West Texas with Jeff Bezos. We'll have more on that in Hour 3 as Bezos, he went outer space. How about that? We'll have more news headlines coming up in Hour 3. But let me tell you, friends, what's up here in Hour number 2. We've got entertainment news. We have, how about Space Jam? That LeBron James guy, he needs to stop playing basketball, and he needs to get into the movie-making business because he's got the number one movie in the land with Space Jam. Also, NBC has set its fall 2021 premiere date schedule. I'll walk through a couple of the new NBC shows out as this is our entertainment report to get us going in this hour, plus some Leanne Rhymes news. 
And we're going to talk a lot of sports here also, as we often do on the Y'all Show. But today here in our entertainment report, how about Appalachian State Mountaineer Luke Combs? He has released a hype song for SEC football. And if I can get my hands on it, I'm going to at least play a portion of this song called South On Ya. Oh, I like it already, Luke Combs. Hope that's your next number one. All that plus, we got a new baby in the Carter family. Congratulations to John Carter Cash, the son of Johnny and June Carter Cash. He's had his second child with his wife, and we'll let you know more about some good baby news from country music royalty, the Cashes. All that coming up here in just a sec on our entertainment report. Want to remind you here, in a few minutes, we're going to switch over to Hoover, Alabama, and continue our coverage of the SEC Media Days. It's day number two, and at the mic today, Josh Heupel, coach of the Tennessee Vols, and we're going to hear what the new coach is saying about the Big Orange. We've got some audio coming from the coach in just a few minutes. All that, plus your calls are welcome later in the hour, 803-816-1170, and we'll let you know what's going on at y'all. Y'all is the South's homepage. Go check it out. Don't forget, you can listen to the Y'all Show if you're not able to hear us on one of our fantastic radio stations across the Southeast. You can always find our podcast. It's just the easiest thing to find. All you got to do is add to your smartphone or iPad any of the following free apps, the iHeartRadio app, the Apple Podcast app. Yeah, we're there. Plus, we're on Stitcher and the TuneIn app. All those are ways you can listen to the Y'all Show at your convenience. Also, you can find the podcast at y'all.com. So, incredible, easy ways for you to stay in touch of what's going on across the Southeast. Let's get into some of our entertainment news and notes. As NBC has released its premiere date schedule for fall 2021. And it gets going in just a matter of days. As on August 8th, August 8th is only, it's a Sunday by the way, it's not this Sunday and not next Sunday after that, but the Sunday after that. So two Sundays away, you'll have the premiere of the 2021 fall lineup for NBC. And on that Sunday at 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 Central, it's Family Game Fight. Now, that usually has been airing, or will, it will move to a Wednesday time slot on Wednesday, August 11th, but it's going to debut on NBC late on Sunday, August 8th. I wonder if that's the night that they're going to have the first preseason football game. That might be why it has that late start time. I bet you I'm right on that. And so game family game fight. August 8th. Then the very next night, August 9th, is the debut of The Wall. And here, I, okay, I just corrected my own, what I thought I was such a smarty pants. <laughs> NBC's kickoff of, college, of, of NFL football coverage is the Hall of Fame game this year. And it's that guy, Tom Brady, he and the Dallas Cowboys get together in Canton on September 9th. No, I'm sorry, that's the regular season. What am I thinking? I'm sorry. The regular season for NBC's NFL games starts on September 9th. So you're going to have two premieres early August, and then they don't have any premieres until, I guess, sweeps start, and that's on into September. September 9th, 
the Cowboys and Buccaneers getting together on September 9th, and that's going to be played, I guess, in Tampa. I'm not sure. I do know that starting tomorrow, NFL teams are going to be in camp, and those two teams are going to be the Steelers and the same Cowboys, as those are the two teams playing in that first preseason game in Canton, Ohio. That I do know. So there you have it, NFL coverage. Sunday night football debuts on NBC on September 12th. I don't know who that opponent is of now. Then it really gets hot and heavy on NBC with the lineup of their shows. The Voice, its 2021 fall debut, is set for September 20th. That same evening, Ordinary Joe also debuts on the Peacock Network. September 21st is the debut of New Amsterdam. On September 22nd, it's all Windy City as you've got the premieres of Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, and Chicago PD. Boy, that was a hard sell, whoever programmed that particular lineup. Why don't we just turn one old night into Chicago? Which, frankly, it might be better programming if they just ended up having reality television from Chicago instead of these made-up storylines because Chicago in itself right now is a, is a drama. And, fr- frankly, it's a nightmare. That somebody needs to do a better job publicizing NBC. I'm looking at you. On September 23rd, Law and Order. That's the debut of Law and Order SVU with a two-hour premiere and Law and Order Organized Crime on September 23rd. Dateline. Oh, I know people out there fall asleep in their chair watching Dateline, Who Done It type things. And Dateline premieres on September 24th this year. The the new season of Dateline. How about La Brea? I don't know what that is, but it's debuting on September 28th. And then the last debut NBC has scheduled for this fall is The Blacklist. And maybe you're on The Blacklist like I am. That show debuts on October 21st. Again, that is the lineup coming from NBC as it is set. It's fall 2021 premiere dates. The number one movie at the box office is a guy named LeBron James. And actor James has the number one movie in the land as Space Jam has slam-dunked Black Widow as it has taken over the box office number one slot. LeBron James, Bugs Bunny, and the rest of the stars of this Warner Brothers film, Space Jam, a new legacy with big numbers. According to studio estimates, Space Jam, a new legacy, grossed $31.7 million in North America alone. Black Widow this past weekend brought in $26 million. Still a very good run for Black Widow, but a successful film. Space Jam, a new legacy, the latest Space Jam from LeBron James. And even if you don't like LeBron that much as a basketball player, how about anybody teaming up with Bugs Bunny in a, in a film, an animated film like this? Uh, pretty cool stuff. How about Bugs Bunny? I don't think old Bugs gets a lot of the credit that that he deserves. And how about Bugs Bunny hitting the big screen with this Space Jam, this a new legacy film that has just come out, this live-action animated sports comedy film directed by Malcolm D. Lee, serving as a standalone sequel to the 1996 film Space Jam. And again, in this film, you have LeBron James in it, as well as Chris Davis, Jeff Bergman, Zendaya's in there, Don Chadle, he's in there as well. And it has done 
quite well, at least in its first weekend. Now, this film budgeted at $150 million. It's brought in roughly $50 million nation or worldwide at this point. So they still got a ways to go to break even, if you will. I think they'll be just fine. But it's really well right now. Space Jam, go check it out if you're looking for a good flick in the heat of July and you need to get into a theater, which we encourage everybody to do. Those are good options that we have now back in the southeast. You can get you a big old bucket of popcorn and a Coke that'll set you back about $40 and enjoy Space Jam. How about some country music entertainment news? Leanne Rhymes says her podcast, Holy Human, helps her process the impact of being a childhood star. As she got to great success at 14 years old with that great song, Blue. I'm going to have to play that as we get ready to go to break here. Blue was a fantastic debut for her back in, I think it was 1996, because we're celebrating this year the 25th anniversary of Leanne Rhymes of Pearl, Mississippi, getting to be a big-time entertainment star. Leanne Rhymes, she's out talking to USA Today. She says she's still dealing with the survival-related trauma of achieving such success at an early age. As Rhymes says, I can look back and recognize, I think, how much I have survived. The traumatic parts of it kind of shadow and outweigh the success and all the accomplishments. So it's nice to kind of look back and have a balanced view of both sides of things. Now, iHeartRadio and their mental health podcast, Holy Human, is where she's found an outlet to use her voice and reach to aid to others, possibly dealing with mental health stressors. And Holy Human, Leanne Rhymes, you can go find that if you'd like and hear her on a podcast. A lot of people use podcasts to get through and enjoy, but you can also learn. And how about Leanne available on the iHeartRadio app with her podcast, Holy Human, from the Mississippi native Leanne Rhymes, which she must be right at 40 years young now. And reminder there, as we talk about our, the iHeartRadio app, you can listen to the Y'all Show. In fact, Leanne, you should be listening to this show when you're not listening to your own show on the iHeartRadio app because we also help people out. We make you feel good. At least that's our goal here. We want you to feel good about what's going on in the South and be proud be proud you're a rebel or be proud you're a southerner because we're going to do it again, y'all. And we, we'd never have stopped doing it because we are the pulse of the entire country here. And that's what we try to accentuate here on Talk with a Southern Accent. We accentuate the southeast of the United States. And we're very, very honored and happy to do that. Now, more news coming in from the country music world. How about... Luke Combs. This North Carolina fella, whoo, some of you just think he's so darn sexy with that big beard, bushy beard. I know he's got a couple of beers in him, evidently. He's got a nice little beer gut going. He's a newlywed, so back off, ladies. Luke Combs and the SEC Network have just announced that they have teamed up for a song called South On Ya, and it is a hype song for SEC football for years now we've heard people who have had theme songs on either espn or on the sec network i'm thinking of taylor hicks for example he sings the theme song for the paul feinbaum show and then you've got kenny chesney some of his songs have been recorded and 
put out there on all kinds of football programming. Now, Luke Combs, a huge college football fan. His favorite team is the North Car- uh, is the Appalachian State Mountaineers, where he went to college there in Boone, North Carolina. But now we get the information that Luke Combs is a traitor to his Mountaineers, and he's supporting the SEC as he's got this hype song out called South Onya. And if you'll bear with me, I am doing my darndest here to actually bring you a clip if I can find it. And if I'm not able to, we will just have to uh, move on. But perhaps if we don't have a commercial interrupting, we'll have a little taste of South on you right now from Luke Combs. Okay, we've got a, here we go. Enjoy. Way down where the sun shines hot, dogs on the porch, gators in the water, way What do y'all think? Luke Combs, South Onya. And that is the theme song, it looks like, for the SEC Network for the 2021 season. And kudos to at SEC Network. Do y'all know what they included when they put this announcement out about this Luke Combs, South Onya? Where's my money? Show me the money, SEC Network. Their announcement has two simple words when they attach this video. Y'all ready? <laughs> yeah, we ready. We ready. South on you. Congratulations to Luke Combs and what ought to be a song that you're going to hear a, a lot of with lyrics like, Got a little dirt road dust running through our blood from the never heard of it hometown. Got a can't quit heart and some take it too far. And a whole lot of never back down because we're no doubt going to put a little South on you. Ooh, Shakespeare, where are you? <laughs> That's, again, Luke Combs, congratulations. Now to our baby news. Congratulations to the Carters, as or John, to the Cashes and the Carter families. John Carter Cash and his wife, Anna Christina, have welcomed their second child. James Christopher Cash, and his middle name is spelled, huh, get this, K-R-I-S-T-O-F-F-E-R. Yeah, that's right. James Christopher Cash's middle name is a nod to the great Chris Christopherson, a guy who teamed up with John Carter Cash's daddy with the Highwaymen and other great projects. And now John Carter Cash, who's 51 years young. He's a guy that we haven't heard a lot of. He's been more of a producer. And, okay, I'll say it. I guess he's living on a trust fund. I don't know. How would you like to be Johnny Cash's child? Uh, not a bad gig, I don't think. I guess Johnny and, and June Carter did a good job budgeting for their children. But uh, we don't have to hear from him. He's he's done a good job. The reason we don't hear from him, frankly, he didn't go with the singing route. 
like his half-sister Roseanne Cash did. And then there's also Cindy Cash, who's also not a singer that I'm aware of. I think she was the one once married to Marty Stewart. But the very large and very successful family, both the Cash family and the Carter family. Of course, John Carter's mama, June, we don't want to forget about the role the Carter family played in country music history. And now these two, John Carter Cash and his beautiful wife, Anna Christina, welcoming in their second child, a son, as he was born on July 16th, just the other day, the brand-new grandson of Johnny and June, John Carter Cash, Christina, welcoming in James Christopher Cash. He was born on July 16th, weighed 6 pounds, 13 ounces, and he's got a sibling, a sister, older sister, Grace June Cash. Grace is going to be turning four years old in a couple of weeks. And what a great, great job. Did you realize that John Carter Cash and his wife, Anna Christina, got married back in 2016? Not in Nashville and not in Dias, Arkansas. But they got married in Charleston, South Carolina. I didn't see those wedding pictures taken back at that time. But they've got a, if you want to see James Christopher Cash, Anna Christina Cash is on Instagram at Anna Christina Cash. And she's got a nice little photo right there from the maternity ward of her six pound, 13 ounce baby boy. Congratulations. Don't you like it when we talk about the birth of a great little Southerner? That's what we find with the birth of the latest member of the very talented Cash family. We're somewhat talented here on the Y'all Show. When we come back, we'll show off just how talented we are because we're going to welcome in someone who's a whole lot more talented than us. It's Josh Heupel. He's the new coach of the Tennessee Volunteers, and he's at the mic today at the SEC Media Days in Hoover, and we're going to hear from the Big Orange's next field general. All that is coming up here in our SEC Media Day Day 2 recap. the SEC Media Days Day 2 in Hoover and I am John Rawl on the outskirts of that lovely little hamlet of Birmingham to tell you all about SEC media coverage here and at the mic today you have already heard here on the Y'all Show from Kirby Smart of the Georgia Bulldogs well Josh Heupel has made his debut at SEC Media Days he is the new coach of Tennessee Vols He comes to Rocky Top from UCF where he had had a successful run there with this Knights program and now get a chance to lead an SEC team. This guy who, of course, a championship quarterback as a player and now leading the Tennessee Vols football program. This is a program and a fan base that want championships. 
they have waited a long time in the volunteer state for someone to come in there and let me use a little play on words had a lot of uh, <laughs> hype and now they're going to hype pull to get them to the mountaintop to the rocky top of college football greatness don't know if he's going to be able to pull that off but i tell you what he did pull off a successful debut as a head coach in birmingham today here is your new coach in the sec one of four new coaches as you've got clark lee at vanderbilt a new coach there you got shane beamer at south carolina as he's got his gamecocks ready to get going with the 2021 season hypel at tennessee and then you have i got to think about it i know there's four coaches let me think about it <laughs> let's see texas has got fish texas a&m's got fisher lsu's good mississippi state mississippi good Alabama. Oh, Auburn. Brian Harson is the new coach of the War Eagle Plainsman. So, yeah, he is the fourth of the new four coaches. So, sometimes the brain doesn't quite work. But I tell you what, Josh Heupel's brain was working really good today, and you're going to get to hear him now in his address to the media and take a question or two here at SEC Media Days Day 2. So excited to be here, uh, first SEC Media Days. Excited to get a chance to see you guys in person for the first time. I've done a lot of Zoom calls with you here over the last uh, six months for sure and, and maybe longer than that. But uh, excited to be here and have an opportunity to, to represent Tennessee. I hope you guys have had a, a great summer. Um, my wife and I knew in coming to Knoxville that it was going to be a, a special place to live uh, for our two kids, 13 and, and 11, Hannah and Jace. And, and uh, through the month of June, obviously recruiting was a busy time, but uh, here in July we've gotten a chance to, to really partake and enjoy uh, Tennessee lifestyle and Tennessee living. It's been great to, to, to connect with the uh, community, um, you know, whether that's in Knoxville floating the river or, or jumping on a boat in the lake and, and hitting some of the trails or going up to the Smoky Mountains and, and floating down the, the river with, uh, with our kids. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and shoot, my, my daughter has picked up the game of golf and has been knocking the cover off of it, and those of you that know me know that I'm not much of a golfer, but she's been able to, to swindle me out there and get me on the course a little bit. I uh, appreciate uh, this opportunity. It's, been gr- it's great to be back in the SEC. Uh, as a player, as a coach, I've always admired this league, this league um, believed in, in what it is, the strength of it uh, from top to bottom, uh, the, the number of talented players that you're able to recruit to this brand and uh, compete at the highest level and it's been a lot of fun being back in here. I'm honored to be the head coach of Tennessee football. Uh, This is one of the great and iconic logos in all of college football. Uh, Steep in tradition. Uh, It's a great honor to be the caretaker of of Tennessee football at this time and uh, really proud of, of what our players and our staff have done in six months and uh, just couldn't be prouder and, and really excited about getting uh, back onto uh, to the football field and uh, as we uh, talked today a little bit just uh, been had a lot of fun getting to know the the former players at Tennessee um, connect with the community and, and this great iconic logo be able to put a new age approach on it while celebrating all the great traditions uh, that are Tennessee football the first priority when when I and our staff got to, to Tennessee uh, was about relationships, and it still is today. That will be the foundation of, of everything that we do inside of our, our program. 
But that came through a conversation with our players. The first night I got hired, I had a, about an hour and a half meeting with them. And, and one of the things that I realized that they recognized that they wanted and needed was connection. And that's why we spent an inordinate amount of time as a staff connecting with our players and getting to know them, their strengths, their struggles, their greatest triumphs, the hardships that they've faced, and uh, have had a, a lot of fun in doing that. Uh, in recruiting, uh, over the last six months, our staff has put a ton of time and energy into developing those same relationships with recruits. And we've started inside out in our footprint here in Tennessee and then uh, gone across the country. It's one of the great things about the logo is the ability to recruit from coast to coast. And uh, our staff's done a great job of developing those same relationships with parents and families and really got an opportunity to connect with them in June as they were able to get on campus for the first time. And the third group of people that we've really tried to connect with is our VFLs, our Vol for Life. And um, you look at, at some of the great players in college football, they've won the power T and the ability to, to welcome them back, embrace them, and for them to give back to our current players and know that this is their home forever has been something that's been fun to start building again. Uh, and you're talking about some of the great players that have ever played the game. And Reggie White, Peyton Manning, T. Martin, Alvin Kamara, Charles Davis. Some of those are just a handful of guys uh, that uh, uh, are celebrated at Tennessee. And for those that are still living, have been able to come back and, and be a part of our program. That ties into the type of program that we want to have and we will have at, at Tennessee. We want to be innovative, but we want to have fun. And I believe in the player experience. Having played the game at the highest level and uh, been able to hoist a trophy as a player, uh, chasing that championship is something that, that you'll never forget. That's a, a journey that you'll never forget. But those relationships are really important as well. And we want to live those things out every single day. That's why we've spent so much time building that inside of our, our our program inside of our, our walls uh, from the time that I've gotten there if you followed us at all you've seen us whether it's dodgeball after a, a 6:30 morning workout on a Friday afternoon whether it's a crawfish boil followed by kickball after a summer workout on, on a Tuesday evening you've seen us spend time with our players and that pays forward once we get on the football field I believe that that connection matters when you face adversity that you know the person that's standing to the next to you left or the right and you can depend upon those people that was the brand new coach this year of the tennessee vols as today he was in birmingham attending the sec media days kickoff that's where the press gets to go down and cover that i have been fortunate enough in years past to be right there on radio row i was talking to someone about this i think it was on monday that's one of the coolest things that we've been able to do as journalists to be able to go cover SEC Media Days because, first of all, it's pretty fun. Second of all, it's pretty cheap. And third, you get to see all your friends, all your friends who cover teams in the SEC like you do, and it's kind of like a family reunion when you get down to the outskirts of Birmingham. So that is what Josh Heupel said today. As he referenced there, if you're not all that familiar with the Big Orange's new coach, he won a national championship as a player for the Oklahoma Sooners. Y'all might remember that great run that OU had back in the 1990s. And sure enough, he led the Sooners to the national championship when he was there. I think it was Bob Stoops' first year that OU had that great, great season in 2000, I think it was. Heupel was the Heisman Trophy runner-up in 2000. He was an All-American AP Player of the Year. 
and did a great job. He's a young man, I say young, he's 43, who actually was born in Aberdeen, not the one in Mississippi. He was born in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and now coaching the Tennessee Vols after being at UCF for three seasons, coaching in 2018, 2019, and 2020, the Knights out of the AAC. He's been in the SEC before. He was offensive coordinator for the Missouri Tigers. He also has been an assistant at Oklahoma for several years, his alma mater, and now getting a chance to be the Big Orange's next football coach as today, Joshua Kenneth Heupel was at the microphone in Birmingham to show off what he's going to be doing as a coach of the Tennessee Vols. Wish him all the best. Now, this has just come to us, and here on the Y'all Show, we love to tell you hot news and hot information coming in. So I apologize. I have not had a chance to screen this, so I hope Mark Stoops doesn't have a potty mouth when he talks here. But Mark Stoops is the coach of the Kentucky Wildcats, and it would only be fair if you talk about the Tennessee Vols to bring on their beer barrel rival in the Kentucky Wildcats as Coach Stoops was at the microphone here today. And let's hear now the coach of UK answering a question and talking about his Kentucky Wildcat football program, a program that's been on the rise. They still hadn't got to the top of that mountain, but they've knocked off Tennessee at least once in the last couple of years. They've gone and won a couple of bowl games, and it's all because of the program that Coach Stoops is leading and the Cats are going in the right direction. So we'll let Coach Stoops fire away here in mid-sentence and tell you about his big blue football team. I know you're a defensive guy yourself, but talk about his uh, his rise in the ranks and, and the kind of recruiter he is as well because I know he had a lot to do with Jarquez Jones choosing your school. Yeah, uh, adding Dare, you know, greatly helps our football team. As I mentioned, he has SEC experience, uh, played at one of the premier programs in, in our league, um, very talented, and I'm excited to have him. Um, we've, we've had good offensive linemen. We, we've going to uh, continue to build on that, and uh, he's been a great addition. As far as uh, John Summerall, he's a fantastic football coach. He really is. I look at him as a coordinator. He has a title of co-defensive coordinator. Um, and that's well-deserved. I know Brad White, uh, if he was here, he'd be the first one to tell you uh, how much he leans on him. You have to, in this day and age, you have to have coordinators. You have to have people in your room uh, that are more than capable, not just one, of calling defenses, setting it up, um, you know, on both sides of the ball. And so uh, grateful to have John. He's a, a terrific recruiter. He's got an unbelievable personality. Uh, you know, even though he was from Alabama, he played at Kentucky, and uh, we're grateful to have him. We're going to go to the center section about three-quarters of the way back on the aisle. Hey, Coach, this is Ben Fredrickson from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm curious how you've seen um, the series against Missouri play out in your seasons at Kentucky. It seems like whichever team wins that game finishes higher in the in the East. I think that you've got, you've got the upper hand in the series, but this overall score is tied. Um, they've been some very close games. This is the earliest you will play Missouri in week two. Just how is it, Have you seen that series kind of become an indicator for how both seasons are going to go for both teams? 
Well, I think you're correct there. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, that is game two. You know, we're, we're worried about the opener, but it is important. There's no denying that. I think it's uh, as you look at uh, all the teams in the East and you look at the teams trying to uh, move up the ladder and continue to, to grow and to uh, climb. Um, you know, us in Missouri have had some terrific games. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be another very good game this year. So it's important. Okay, we'll go right down here to our left, second row, Bob. Uh, hey, Mark. Uh, Bob, Bob Holtar, September Craig, is that how you do it? Hey, you've alluded a couple times to going into your ninth year. Um, the league's got eight coaches who are just going into their first or second year. You know, the league kind of chews guys up a lot of times. Uh, how do you, you're second in tenure to Nick Saban. How do you feel about that? And just what's been the key to sus sustaining some success at a program that, you know, historically has not, not been able to do that? Thanks, Bob. Uh, First of all, it's, you know, as I mentioned again in my opening statement, it's great to be back here. It's really good to see you. I missed you. I, I enjoy listening to your, your questions each and every day to every coach, though. So uh, I, I always catch you on TV, getting that air time. So that's good. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah, you will. <laughs> you better not grow it too much more, Bob. <laughs> but, uh, um, no, it's, you know, like I said, I think grateful, you know, you really don't think about it until you start preparing for some of these statements and things of that nature and, and you know, talking about, you know, being in here nine years and I can remember, you know, Greg, you know, I've known Greg for s such a long time, but I didn't know he was a painter, but I certainly, I was a very good painter growing up. I mean, I was, I was, I was on that ladder. I was working. But, uh. Do you know, uh, true story, Greg, my first job, I worked at University of South Florida, and uh, it, was, it was my first full-time coaching job, and I worked construction, and I did the painting at night uh, to pay the bills, so uh, that, that's, that's a true story. Eric Wolford, who's my offensive line coach right now, he and I worked construction at night, so that painting paid off for me. But, uh, but, but, you know, the nine years I go back to when Greg was the assistant commissioner and working directly with football, and just being in those meetings and, uh, and just all the different turnover since then, um, I don't know, I guess, you know, you don't really think about it until you get here and start talking to everybody, but uh, I just want to go back to Kentucky, put my head down and continue to work so I make sure I'm here next year. You know, that's really the, the goal, but also really want to continue to grow this program. I, I, I said it when I got to Kentucky that we were going to recruit, we were going to develop, we were going to compete, and I wanted to take this program to national prominence, and uh, people laughed at me. We're not there yet, but we're on our way. Yeah. All right, those are some of the words today from Mark Stoops, head coach of the Kentucky Wildcats, and give him credit. He's now entering, as he said, his ninth season of coaching Big Blue Nation, and what a job he's done, although... He's actually a loser. <laughs> Mark Stoops right now, after eight seasons in the books as UK's head coach, has a coaching record of 49 and 50. Woo! He's so close to being a 500 coach, but he ain't there yet. Again, he's getting ready to enter his ninth season coaching Big Blue. And Big Blue's 2021 opener is against the ULM Warhawk Indians. And I love this game on September 4th at Kroger Field because it's presented in part by Skyline Chili. Woo! Good old Cincinnati Chili you can find right there in Lexington, Kentucky. 
Again, Coach Stoops, Coach Heupel at the mic today as part of SEC Media Days. Coming up in Hour 3, we're going to hear from Lane Kiffin, head coach of the Mississippi Land Sharks, as the Sharks were at the mic today in Hoover, and we'll let you know about his team. They're getting a lot of credit down in Oxford about what they might be doing, and we'll let you know about the UM Sharks as part of our coverage in Hour 3. Up next, we've got calls and texts coming in on the show that's all about the South, so stay tuned. talk about the south i'm john rawl and if you want to connect to the southern show that we are it's pretty dang easy all you got to do is pick up your smartphone and go ahead and store this number because you can text or call us at your leisure that number is 803-816-1170 we're booming out across the southeast and we're getting texts at least a text, and I think a call coming in, too. Let me tell you about our text, our text responding to our conversation a few minutes ago about the birth of the latest Cash grandchild as John Carter Cash and his wife just welcomed in a baby boy at the end of last week, and we've had a listener text us, and we want to share that with you. Again, you can text us anytime at 803-816-1170. And this texter says, when I worked in Nashville doing heating and air conditioning, woo, wouldn't want to do that this time of year, would you? Would you like to get out on a <laughs> on a hot roof? Oh, Bobby Jenkins, I feel for you out there, sir. Yeah, when this person worked in Music City doing heating and air conditioning, they say that they worked on Johnny's son's house. That would be John Carter Cash. It was just a simple house with a recording studio attached to the home. Nothing real fancy. They also texted back to say, it was out in the country, no neighbors, and lots of land. Isn't that how you'd like your house to be? Out in the middle of the country? Although sometimes, and I've been a country, I've lived in rural middle Tennessee, a little bit of ways away from Nashville, but I was... I'll tell you how rural it was. It was area code 931. Not a lot of people know where 931 area code is. That's the essentially the circumference around Middle Tennessee that uh, I'm going to assume got thriving metropolises in it like hmm, Lawrenceburg and uh, Shebbeville, home of the Tennessee Walking Horse Celebration. I lived in a place called Fetville for a time in my life. Actually, let me correct you. I lived in Yukon. Go look that one up in a map, on a map sometime. Yukon, a suburb of Taft. 
Yeah, but yeah, I lived in Middle Tennessee for a while, and there's a lot of great, beautiful places in the Volunteer State. And if Johnny Cash's son got away and lived out in the country, good for him because I assume John Carter Cash primarily grew up as a youngster in that famous house that Johnny Cash had on Old Hickory Lake, the house that ended up being burnt to the ground as one of the Bee Gees bought that house and it caught fire several years ago and uh, unfortunately it's no longer there but a very valuable property there on Old Hickory Lake in the Hendersonville area of Nashville but I I assume John Carter probably grew up as a city slicker in beautiful Hendersonville (laughs) where a lot of those country music stars lived in that little quadrant of of Davidson County and technically that would be Sumner County in Henderson, ten- Hendersonville, Tennessee. And, yeah, if, if you had a chance to go out and check out his heating and air conditioning unit, good for you. And how about the fact that he did have a recording studio? To my knowledge, again, Johnny and June Carter Cash's youngest child, their their only child they had together, I don't recall him ever going out and trying to be a big singer himself. He's probably guest starred as a singer a time or two, but... We're talking about him today because he and his wife have just welcomed in their second child as he was born at the end of last week. And a beautiful little kid whose middle name is Christopher, but his middle name is spelled K-R-I-S-T-O-F-F-E-R. Come on. Y'all should have just gone ahead and named that kid Christopherson because they named it in honor of Chris Christopherson, Johnny's old highwayman teammate there. And how cool would that have been to go through life whenever you had to announce to your classmates, hey, my name is is uh, middle name Christopherson. They knew exactly who you're talking about. There's only been one Chris Christopherson. By the way, he is still with us, thank goodness. There's a lot of these great country singers and singers of all formats who've unfortunately left for the big performance stage in the sky but Chris Christopherson still hanging in there, thank goodness. Vietnam veteran and all. Rhodes Scholar, Chris Christopherson. Appreciate you sharing that with us, and we appreciate you texting. And you're welcome, anybody out here listening, to text us, whether you're listening to us on an incredible radio station that we broadcast on across the southeast, or if you're listening to us in podcast form, or if you're just stopping on by the Y'all Show. We appreciate it. Our number, 803-816-1170. Welcome your feedback. Welcome your calls, input. We'll try to squeeze in some more listener interaction into our number three, which is fast approaching. And we're going to go to break now, and it's only fitting if we talk about Johnny and June that we play their most famous song as a couple. When we come right back on the Y'all Show, we will have a quick update at what's on y'all.com. Hotter than a pepper sprout We've been talking about Jackson Ever since the fire went out I'm going to Jackson I'm going to mess around Yeah, I'm going to Jackson Look out Jackson Town Lifeline Voice and Data 
with our virtually unbreakable network, already provides the most secure and reliable phone and fiber internet to emergency services such as 911 dispatch centers, police and fire departments. And now, we also provide the same unbeatable service for your business. If your phone and internet service are essential to your business, call Lifeline today at 731-427-0301. Because at Lifeline Voice and Data, we don't just provide a phone line. We provide a lifeline. Call Lifeline Voice and Data today for the business VoIP telephone service everyone is talking about. If you have multiple locations, we can save you even more with our unified system. Ask about our 4G LTE cellular backup so your business will never miss a beat. Finally, a voice and data company based in Tennessee. Call 731-427-0301. Have you been thinking about selling your home, or has your home been on the market but still hasn't sold? You need to call my friends at the Halton Home Team, 984-2200. The Halton Home Team has an aggressive marketing system that puts them on a whole different level than other agents here in Jackson. Freddie Garrett here. After listing my home, 23 days and 17 showings later, I had a full price offer. Take it from me, personal service and attention to detail are important, and Todd and Beth handle both. And don't just believe these guys. Check us out on Zillow, the number one one real estate website where we are ranked number one in sales for Jackson and also have over 200 five-star reviews. They can help you negotiate through multiple offers to get you the most money for your home. And there's no risk. Call the Haltom Home Team at 731-984-2200. That's 731-984-2200. Go to HaltomHomeTeam.com. Oh, and start packing. Jackson Auto Repair is open and helping keep you safe from COVID-19. Jackson Auto Repair offers free Jackson area auto pickup, parking lot consultation so you don't have to come inside, a secure key drop-off box, and online invoicing. Plus, masks and gloves are used during all transactions. Even their techs wear gloves and use a UVC light to disinfect auto touch points. Jackson Auto Repair on the corner of State Street and the 45 Bypass across from the old Budweiser Warehouse. Call 410-6688. We try to make it a different way to wake up in Jackson and West Tennessee every day, Monday through Friday from 6 until 9 a.m. It's Blue Suede Forever, live from the Dixie Cafe and the Old Country Store on the Talk of Jackson. Dedicated to the premise that from New Orleans, from Muscle Shoals, to Memphis, up through Nashville and Bristol, Tennessee, all the pop music of the world came from right through here. We play it, we talk about what's happening in our world, we try to get your day off to a positive start. Join us, Blue Suede Forever, Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. at the Talk of Jackson. Tell me about it, Petey. That's Petey Wheatstraw. Song recorded just a few months ago, I'm sure. A little separation day here on Talk with a Southern Accent. Hey, let me remind you about the show that's all about the South. That's We Hear the Y'all Show, but let me tell you about the home page of the South, old Petey. And it is y'all.com. Y'all.com is the South's go-to site for great information about what's going on across the 16 southern states. You can go right now and find 
a fantastic show that's free of charge. It's called Tricks of the Trade from the sage of Southern Home Improvement himself, John Allen. John and the great Jimmy Duke have Tricks of the Trade, and you can watch their most recent episode of that incredible home improvement show, and it's up right now at y'all.com. They're talking about slab houses, also sleeving a pipe. Who knew that you could sleeve a pipe? John Allen will tell you how to do it on Tricks of the Trade at y'all.com. Also, woo, I need to read this one. Outdoor date ideas for the southern couple. Not for married couples. I guess it's for when you're trying to woo your sweetheart out there. Outdoor date ideas for the southern couple. That's up right now. A great Texas writer named Kevin Gardner has penned that one. And you can learn all kind of good date ideas for the summertime. And he's got some dang good ideas. Also, at y'all.com, we've got a tour of the Mississippi Delta as a great up-and-coming writer has traveled down U.S. 61 from Tunica all the way to Vicksburg, and she's going to be dropping by. Actually, we're going to have an interview with her on the Wednesday Y'all Show. Ashley Stinson is her name, and she has an article at y'all.com that you can read all about the Mississippi Delta, one-of-a-kind history and food. Woo! From Doe's Eat Place in Greenville, to other great places to stop by, including the Hollywood. That's right there in the Tunica area. The same Hollywood that that guy, Mark Cohen, sang about in Walking in Memphis. Yeah. All that is part of this fantastic article. A combination of food and history and the culture of a truly one-of-a-kind place. The Mississippi Delta. You can read this article and you can tune in on Wednesday and Ashley Stinson, this very, very talented young writer, a North Alabama native, by the way. She's going to be dropping by and talking about this article on Wednesday. That, plus we have the Y'all Show posted at y'all.com. That and a whole lot more. Check it out. It's the South's homepage, y'all.com, and it's right there awaiting your click. Click it, or I'll give you a ticket. <laughs> Check it out. Also, y'all.com is on Facebook. Please go there and like us Follow us. Tell everybody at the beauty shop. Tell everybody at the barbershop. Guys, I know when you go get those ears lowered, you just can't wait to run in there and tell them all about this website called y'all.com. And we are here to tell you about what's going on in the South. And I think you'll enjoy it. If you don't, I promise we'll give you your money back. That wraps up Hour 2. When we come back on Talk with a Southern Accent, we got a guy, We got one more hour. It's our power hour of Southern goodness coming your way we've got a quick update on sports we'll be hearing from lane kiffin head coach of the university of mississippi as he's at sec media days we'll tell you more about the ucf knights plus a southern accent on arts it's all ahead on y'all into the final hour of our Tuesday conversation about everything going on in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia. Those are 
the states that you can walk around and say, how y'all doing? And they don't laugh you out of the building. That's what we call the South, and that's what this show is all about. It's talk with a Southern accent. We want to hear your Southern accent. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with us here on this show powered by y'all.com, the South's home page. In this final hour, we have a lot more to say about the UCF Knights. That's the stop we're making today on our tour across the Southeast. We'll go to Orlando, let you know more about the history of the University of Central Florida. It's no small school, by the way, but they are a big-time college football program these days. We'll let you know about what Gus Malzahn's going to be doing as the head coach of UCF entering his first season at this AAC school. That's coming up. We'll also let you know about some of the famous alumni of UCF and some of the traditions the Knights have if you go to a game there at the Bounce House Stadium in Orlando, Florida. That is today's college football tour stop. Also, before the hour is up, we have a Southern accent, Melissa Rhodes. She's our new Southern accent lady. She's got a good Southern accent, too. Melissa's going to be dropping by and tell us about some of the arts and entertainment goings-on of the region. That's a little bit later here on this hour, our third hour of the show about the South. Let's start out this hour, if you don't mind, giving you the latest Southern sports information. And let me remind you that Game 6 is taking place between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. That will be tipping off this evening on ABC. 9 Eastern, 8 o'clock Milwaukee time. The Bucks can close it out as they have a chance to win the franchise's first NBA title. Actually, both of these teams, to my knowledge, neither one have won an NBA title in their franchise history. And Game 6 with Milwaukee with a 3-2 series edge can win the NBA Finals and end this season of NBA basketball with that win. However, if Chris Paul and the Suns come ablaze, you like how I said that? They come ablaze and fire back. You like how I said that? Come back in game six. This series shifts to the desert. And game seven, the final game, there will be no game eight. Game seven, if needed, will be played Thursday. Only two days away from Game 7. If it had to be played, that will be back in Phoenix. But right now, Milwaukee, they have a chance to bring that town its first NBA title. In fact, I'm doing some math in my head. If the Bucks win, that'll be their first title. Milwaukee as a city has not enjoyed a world championship since the, what, 57 Milwaukee Braves? Hank Aaron? Eddie Matthews, I believe, was a part of that team. Going back to my old Braves history. Oh, gosh, they were so good in that 57 year. And I think the following year, they played in the World Series and lost that one to the Yankees in a real heartbreaker for Milwaukee Braves fans. But, yeah, it's going to be a magical, magical night if somehow Milwaukee wins. Now, I'm not counting the Green Bay Packers since they don't technically play in Milwaukee. They used to at Old County Stadium. The Packers would play there, and they won a couple of Super Bowls here. 
But, uh, you know, since the Milwaukee Braves won back in the late 1950s, but it could be a championship night along the shores of Lake Michigan there if the Milwaukee Bucks pick up this game six win against the Phoenix Suns. Suns fans, they're hoping, oh, we'll just bring it back here and win here in the desert, and all will be good. We'll let you know also about in the sports world the passing of Tennis Hall of Famer Shirley Fry Irvin. She won three consecutive major titles back in the 1950s, and she completed a career grand slam. Shirley Fry Irvin has died at the age of 94. Her death announced today by the International Tennis Hall of Fame. She is a 1970 inductee of the International Tennis Hall of Fame. And Miss Fry, Shirley Fry Irvin, she lived in Naples, Florida, although she was raised early in her life in Ohio. I think she was from Akron, Ohio, originally, but got involved in the sport of tennis as a youngster and was certainly one of the famous ladies of tennis in the second half of the 20th century. This Hall of Famer in the world of tennis, Shirley Fry Irvin, passing away at the ripe age of 94. A life well lived for sure. Also today, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were feeded at the Oval Office as Joe Biden and company welcomed in Tom Brady and the Super Bowl champions to the White House. And they were just having a good old time celebrating their second franchise Super Bowl championship as the Bucks, I think, around 2001. Maybe it was that year they won with a good old coach, the fiery coach that had got traded to go there. And now with Bruce Arians in, co- in company, this guy who's been a coach in the league a long time, he's got to be, what, 70-something years old, Bruce Arians, leading this team to its second Super Bowl title here in the early part of 2021. And today, the coach, the big guy, and his other big guy, Tom Brady and company, celebrating at the White House as Tampa Bay is honored by the Biden-Harris administration for their Super Bowl championship of twenty the, for the 2020 season. Congratulations. Now let's give you the latest on SEC news. First off, Nick Saban, did you realize he's on a little bit of a tour this week? He actually was addressing today the Texas High School Coaches Association's convention, and the head coach of the Crimson Tide hasn't officially named this guy the starting quarterback for his defending national championship football team. But Coach Saban talking about Bryce Young. And he says that Young is already approaching $1 million in endorsement deals. This is a college football player. This is now because of this new rule of name, image, likeness. And an Alabama quarterback is about to get a million dollars in his bank account if he hasn't got it already. And they haven't even played a game. In fact, this NIL hasn't even been on the books for three weeks. Today's July 20th. It started July 1st. People are making money. If you want to make money, y'all, why don't you uh, give us a little y'all promotion if you're a college athlete. Call us. I don't know if we can give you a lot of money, but we'll we'll make you an an owner. I heard somebody talking about that's what Shaquille O'Neal has done 
he's made money, of course, in his NBA career, but he's made so much money not because he's gotten paid endorsements. He likely still has plenty of those, but he also has been smart in his business dealings, and the LSU alum, he and Peyton Manning both are masters of agreeing to represent companies by not necessarily getting some kind of big fee, but essentially getting in on the ownership of these companies. Shaquille O'Neal is an owner of Papa John's Pizza, and that's because they came to him and he worked a deal out where he's he's got skin in the game, if you will. Shaq, who knew that LSU's basketball program would turn out business tycoons as Shaq evidently is good on him, good on him, and and there's a reason that some of these famous people out there in sports world want to have skin in the game. It helps, first of all, keep them from possibly being scoundreled, where you have these really bad actors in business and they just want to have a celebrity endorsement and then take all their money and run, perhaps. But no, it it, it gives them an opportunity to really feel part of something and not just as a kind of like a pimp when they come in take the money of a company and they'll never talk about them again. (laughs) But that's what is going on there with the professional guys or ex-professionals at least playing pro sports. Now you can be a professional and be a college player with this NIL ruling. And the coach of Alabama talking today to these high school coaches about Bryce Young being a millionaire and he hasn't even left the friendly confines of the million dollar band. That's the band there for the University of Alabama. (laughs) Okay, speaking of SEC, today is the latest day of the SEC football media days. At the mic today, and we've already played on this show, if you want to go back in the archives, you're welcome to do that. Our archives on podcast available at y'all.com. Also, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and the TuneIn app, all free of charge. Check them out, if you will. But already today on the Y'all Show and already at the microphone in Hoover, Alabama, you have had a couple of coaches that we've already featured. We've heard Kirby Smart in hour number one. Hour two of today's Y'all Show We've played audio from Josh Heupel, the Big Orange's brand-new coach, as he gets ready to lead Tennessee football in 2021. And this today was his first appearance at SEC Media Days as a head coach of the 14-member conference. And we also heard an hour two, the coach of the Kentucky Wildcats, Mark Stoops, as he talked about his big blue football team getting ready to open their season against ULM that first weekend of the 2021 season. Also today, the lone SEC West team that got in front of a microphone, as we heard from Georgia, Kentucky, and Tennessee, well, they threw in a SEC West team. I guess they just had to do it. Well, I'm glad they did it because it gives us a chance to talk now about the Mississippi Land Sharks. Lane Kiffin is the coach in Oxford, and he's entering his second season. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit, surprised with the welcoming of Lane Kiffin back to the SEC. He did a good job. He led this team to a 
Outback Bowl victory over Indiana. They got their Egg Bowl victory over Mississippi State. They should have beat LSU. That's the team that Shark fans love to beat more than anybody. Should have beat them. They ended up getting beat in a shootout there at Tiger Stadium. But Mississippi had a pretty good start in 2020. And I want to give Lane Kiffin a lot of credit. In his one season as an SEC coach at Tennessee, I thought he did a good job. What was it, 2009 when he was on Rocky Top? Now he's back in the SEC getting ready this year to enter year number two. And this is a program that's got him throwing up his clipboard in the air in the middle of a play, and that got a lot of attention. He's got a stud quarterback, Matt Corral, the California kid, has come into the SEC and Corral in his season of quarterback in the red and blue now enters his next year of eligibility this year as one of the SEC's top quarterbacks. Could we start hearing the drumbeat in Lafayette County? Matt Corral for Heisman. I still have seen in recent weeks Deuce for Heisman stickers around Oxford. That would be for Deuce McAllister, who really should have maybe competed for the Heisman Trophy in his final year as a college player back in 2000. He had a bad run of injuries, and that really sidelined him. And that's what happens in football. Sideline with injuries can ruin a campaign for Heisman, even at the University of Mississippi. Lane Kiffin is back this year for year number two as the head coach of the University of Mississippi. And we're going to go now to the podium at the Winfrey Hotel in Hoover, Alabama. And here from the very well-tanned, very well-groomed, very well-dressed, former coach of the Oakland Raiders, former coach of the USC Trojans. I mean, he's got a pretty good little bio going for a guy who's not even 50 years old. And, uh, and now coach of a team that's on the rise in the SEC. Some of the pundits, and I'll go ahead and throw myself into the mix, predict big things for the University of Mississippi in 2021. And I see this team at least breaking even. And perhaps, perhaps, if the stars align there on the banks of the Yachtna River, you could see Mississippi get a 10-win season, perhaps. I don't want to get too much hope up because Tony the Landshark's ready to get out there and pounce on the competition here. By the way, their first game is against the Louisville Cardinals. It's Mississippi and the U of L in that Chick-fil-A kickoff game on that Labor Day Monday night. So you'll have an opportunity to see Lane Kiffin's team in action as the lone college football game on Monday Night Football of opening weekend. All right, let's take you to the Winfrey Hotel in Hoover. As just minutes ago, Lane Kiffin spoke in front of the media about his Mississippi football team. Being a head coach, going back to Tennessee this year, I know you're probably looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, I was just on with Paul Feinbaum, and so he was saying he'll be at the game in in Knoxville. So that'll be exciting to go back there. Uh, We had an exciting year there, and... Uh, I've said it before, uh, I, I love the fan base there, very passionate, and it's a special place, and um, so it'll be exciting to go back there. We'll go to your right on the second row. 
Coach John Wilson with the KBTX TV and College Station. Does it seem like it has been since 2009 that you were at SEC Media Days, and, and what is this day like being back here? Well, yeah, I really hadn't thought about it till the plane here and then kind of did the math 12 years, and I was right with Knox, and I guess he just would have just been born uh, right before that. So it's been a while, 12 years, you know, to think that one, two, third head coaching job since that, it would be a lot, let alone in the middle of that, you know, to go win a national championship and work for the best coach in the history of what's getting ready to maybe say of all sports um, and to learn from him. So it's been crazy 12 years. We'll go to your left on the second row. Hey, Coach Jacques Doucet, WFB in Baton Rouge. Um, can you share your relationship with Ed Ogeron over the years, uh, the ups and downs he's had at Ole Miss, USC, Tennessee, and, you know, has the greatest team ever two years ago, and now he's, you know, fighting adversity again? Yeah. Um, you know, got to work with Coach O as an assistant and really learned from him. You know, he was the recruiting coordinator for Pete Carroll at the beginning. I was 24, 25 years old. Uh, as the tight end coach and you know got to learn from him and see the great classes that we signed there at USC and how that got going and he was obviously a big part of that and then later on you know to flip it around and um, you know to come with us to Tennessee and then to USC you know I love Ed uh, very passionate as you guys all know but an awesome person and very close friend and Nobody outworks him, that's for sure. We'll go to your right on the third row. Coach, Mike Lucas, KXTV and College Station. I know you guys didn't play A&M last year because of some COVID issues, but you did prepare for them. When you looked at the tape, what did you see in the defense and especially going against Mike Elko in previous years? What kind of challenges does a Mike Elko defense present? Well, I thought they did a lot of things really well. Um, premier players, you know, very talented roster. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, looking at the front saying, hey, this is going to be very challenging. And then I don't know how long we prepared until, you know, we found out we didn't play. But um, great program, head coach that, uh, you know, has, has one of, been one of the better offensive minds around for a long time and quarterback developer. So that will be a big challenge for us. Coach to your left on the third row. Hey, Coach. Nick Niehaus, WAPT-TV in Jackson, Mississippi. Obviously, you've talked a lot about NIL. Could be a huge recruiting advantage for certain schools. I'm just curious, in these conversations with recruits, how relevant is the conversation about NIL opportunities at Ole Miss? Well, it is. You know, it's a part of recruiting now. And so we're in the beginning of that. And I think we're going to learn a lot over a year you know, what happens at all the different places and the compliance aspect of it. And, I mean, just if you guys that were in there, you know, learning the press conference that Coach Saban said Bryce has made a million dollars already. Um, you know, it's, it's wild. You know, it's, we're professional sports. And that was Lane Kiffin. That was today at the Winfrey Hotel in Birmingham, technically Hoover, speaking at SEC Media Days Day number two. And he mentioned there, and it's hard to believe that, yeah, what he's talking about in that clip was this is his second year leading the University of Mississippi fighting sharks. But it's actually his first year 
at SEC Media Days as a Sharks coach because they didn't have Media Days in 2020. So it was his first return to Media Day since he led the Tennessee Volunteers back in 2009. So a blast from the past. In fact, I think I was at that 2009 Media Days. I have to think about it. I know I was there the year James Franklin. That was the last one I went to. James Franklin was coming in as the brand-new coach at Vanderbilt because I was doing interviews on Radio Row with our booth for the Y'all Kickoff Show at that time. That's what our college football show was called. And James Franklin did something I've never seen done by an SEC coach when he was coaching Vanderbilt. He probably had to do it that year because by the second and third year that he was leading the doors, he couldn't go around without people stopping him. But he actually came into Hoover a day early, and he was walking around like having a good time. He even had on a Vanderbilt polo shirt. And nobody, I guess, stopped him because they didn't know who he was. Boy, did he do a good job leading the Vanderbilt Commodores when it was all said and done. So much so, he ended up getting hired as the head coach of the Penn State Nittany Lions. And I regret to tell you that I did not get an interview with James Franklin that day. I was respecting his privacy. But he was just checking out the sights and scenes of SEC Media Days. And that's going on this week in Hoover, Alabama. And that was the head coach of the University of Mississippi, Lane Kiffin. And that wraps up our spotlight of the four coaches that spoke today. On Wednesday, Nick Saban at the mic at the Winfrey. Also, Mike Leach, head coach of Mississippi State University. Jimbo Fisher, he will be talking about his very good Aggies football team. All that plus, speaking of Vanderbilt coaches, Clark Lee is the latest coach, and he's entering his first season as Vandy's coach. So I wonder if Clark Lee's hanging out there at the Winfrey Hotel, maybe doing a little shopping at the shopping mall where this is located, maybe going on down to the food court and having him a little, what's a Sparrow pizza? Or maybe they got a Chick-fil-A there at the mall. Get maybe a, How about a blast from the past, Orange Julius? Haven't heard that name talked about in quite some time. I don't know if they have that still or not. But Clark Lee will be the fourth of four coaches at the microphone on Wednesday. And we'll have all of that coverage for you as much as we possibly can squeeze in on our Wednesday show that's all about the South. So stay tuned for that. But you're going to have to stay tuned a long time because that's on Wednesday of the Y'all Show. Let me also remind you, I talked about Lane Kiffin. Kiffin is 40 six years old born in lincoln nebraska of course the son of monty kiffin the great defensive mind of the nfl which i think the tampa bay buccaneers are putting monty his dad into their ring of honor this fall lane kiffin played quarterback at fresno state and again as a youngster in 2007 when he was 32 years young got Hired as the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, Al Davis, giving him that opportunity. Then he goes on and coaches the Tennessee Vols for that one season, 2009. He leaves Tennessee to go to USC where he coached for a few years. Ended up ultimately not working out. Goes to Alabama as an offensive coordinator. Head coach at Florida Atlantic. Does a good job for the Owls. Then comes back to the head coaching level at the SEC level to be coach at the University of Mississippi. Lane Kiffin speaking today at Media Days. 
and his Mississippi Land Sharks get their season underway on September 6th. That's Labor Day when they take on the Louisville Cardinals in Atlanta. The home opener for the University of Mississippi will be at Vault Hemingway Stadium on September 11th when the Austin P. Governors out of the OVC wind their way from Clarksville down through Jackson, Tennessee, right down into Lafayette County to take on the Mississippi Land Sharks on September 11th. Then, how about this blast from the past? And actually, an old rivalry for the University of Mississippi. Tulane comes into Vault Hemingway Stadium on September 18th. And then the SEC opener at Bryant-Denny Stadium on October 2nd when the Alabama Crimson Tide and the University of Mississippi tangle in T-Town. Again, that's what is on the forecast for the University of Mississippi. And I think they're going to have a very good time hanging out in the Grove this fall, a place they couldn't even hang out last year as it was shut down because of the coronavirus. When the Y'all Show returns, we'll talk all about the UCF Knights. They are today's spotlight school, and we're going to talk about Nitro and more, and we'll do that right after this. show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's y'all show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And today on our 44 city, or college town, if you will, tour of Dixie, we're stopping by Orlando, and we're talking about the UCF Knights of the AAC. Gus Malzahn is the Knights' new coach. A lot of excitement. This is a program that claims a national championship. We better stop playing that song there in the background. That's the hated Seminoles from up in Tallahassee. Now, Knights fans want to hear this song, the fight song of UCF. UCF starts their 2021 season at Bounce House Stadium. They'll be taking on the Boise State Broncos on Thursday, September 2nd, that is a ESPN broadcast when this mighty program from the Rockies, they roll into Orlando for a game against UCF. Then they'll have a game against Bethune-Cookman on September 11th. Their AAC opener is going to be on the road against the Navy Midshipmen. That's on October 2nd. UCF Knights football, it was just a few years ago when Scott Frost led this team to a Miracle season, a season where they did not lose a single game. They also in that year claim a national championship in 2017 after they beat Auburn in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And now charge on Nitro as the Knights are getting ready with Gus Malzahn now leading this program for an exciting 2021 football schedule. More on UCF as an institution. 
It's a public research university, and it's located there in Orange County, Florida. It's part of the State University System of Florida. And get this number. I had a niece who went down there and toured that as a prospective college almost 10 years ago. She went down there, and it wasn't until she told me this that I had ever heard this number. And sure enough, I don't know if Google existed a couple of years ago, (laughs) but Sure enough, get this number of students enrolled at the University of Central Florida. They have, anybody want to take a guess? 71,913 students at this campus in Orlando. And I think it's maybe the second largest college in America. So if UCF can't sell out a stadium, then they got problems with 71. They ought to make it a rule you got to show up, and I think they do have pretty good attendance going on there for this AAC program. The former Florida Technological University, which changed its name, and it's now the University of Central Florida, and it has done great a great job, of course, on the football field, but with that many students, of course, just a huge, huge presence in Orlando and throughout Central Florida, and kudos on the rise. This is a college, by the way, that technically didn't even get going until 1963. It's only 58 years old, and it's got 71,000. And to UCF's credit, I do believe this number of students are actual students, not virtual students. We've had the Troy Universities of the world and the University of Southern New Hampshire's and the University of Phoenix's kind of spring up over the last few years and they've got all these students who are really more virtual and not going into a brick and mortar college scene. UCF as far as I know under the direction of President Alexander Cartwright have 70 something thousand students. Congratulations. Now, to some of the most famous UCF alums. Are y'all familiar with Cheryl Hines? She is a UCF alumni. She is, I think, an actress. You might have seen her on various programs. Erica Dunlap is a UCF alumnae. She's a beauty pageant title holder. She was Miss America 2004, Erica Dunlap. Also, Daniel Tosh, a comedian, TV host. What's that show he's had on TV, Tosh? I think it's part of his Tosh Tosh Point Zero, Comedy Central. Daniel Tosh, UCF alumnus, graduating in 1996 with a marketing degree. How about Daniel Tosh? And then, of course, UCF has provided political leaders in the state of Florida, And they've also had some pretty good athletes move on and do good things. I mentioned him when we talked about the UCF football teams in hour number one. Dante Culpepper, one of the great athletes who've come out of this program. He was a quarterback for UCF back in the 90s, went on to be an NFL quarterback for the Vikings, played for them for six seasons before ultimately playing for the Dolphins, Raiders, and the Detroit Lions for a few years the Ocala native, was really the first football star out of this UCF program. 
Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles had a fantastic career back 10 years ago. Was it that long ago? Prior to the national championship year for the Knights. And Blake Bortles went on to be a Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback as he was taken as their first-round pick, third overall in the 2014 draft. And he was with the Jags for four seasons. And he is an Altamont Springs, Florida native that ended up going to UCF. Blake Bortles technically is on the Green Bay Packers roster as of today. Maybe he's going to take over for Aaron Rodgers. So he's still got a lot of life left in his football career, or at least he hopes he does. Those are some of the famous alumni of the University of Central Florida. Now, what about traditions at the UCF campus? They have something called Pegasus Palooza. That's UCF's official welcome week. It takes place each fall and is packed with social, academic, and service activities for all the 70-something, 70,000 students at this campus. Also there, they have Spirit Splash, and that's a very popular event where people come out and have a good time listening to music and more. they got things like Movie Night, K-N-I-G-H-T going on, Comedy Night, K-N-I-G-H-T. Family Weekend at the Orlando campus offers a chance for family to come in and visit their youngsters who are in college there. As UCF puts on their official website, ucf.edu, there's nothing quite like the fun and electric atmosphere of the UCF Family Weekend tradition. <laughs> All right, again, this is a school that's not even 60 years old and a football program that hasn't been competing at the Division I FBS level for 25 years. And they've already claimed a national championship. They've already had players go on and be incredible NFL quarterbacks. And they got 70,000 students at this campus, the University of Central Florida. Congratulations, UCF, to your fans and for your success. Gus Malzahn is now your coach as he enters his first season after coming down from Auburn. And that was today's spotlight of our college football tour across the southeast on the Wednesday Y'all Show. Oh, we're going to be talking about them Horned Frogs. TCU is our spot on Wednesday. We're going to Fort Worth. Get your cowboy hat on. When the Y'all Show comes right back, Melissa Rhodes will be filing a Southern accent on Southern Arts and Entertainment. That is up next. Southern Accent. Here's what's entertaining the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Contemporary Christian group We the Kingdom has stormed up the charts in the last two years, hitting number one on the Christian AC chart for seven weeks with the debut single, Holy Water. The Dove Award-winning act consists of four members of the Cash family and family friend Andrew Berktold, the Kansas City native on how We the Kingdom came to be. We all started playing uh, Young Life Camps. Um, Scott and Ed were both... um, really involved in Young Life camps for years and so and actually I did some Young Life in Kansas City but then at one of the camps um, we wrote a song for the first time together as a group and that was really instrumental in starting the band. Berktold and We the Kingdom have a gig in their hometown of Franklin, Tennessee on July 27th. Entertainment headlines and more at y'all.com. All right, thank you for that awesome report of what's going on in the world and how about that? We the Kingdom an up-and-coming contemporary Christian act, 
And you can actually go to y'all.com right this very second and look for that interview that we did with We the Kingdom. They were actually getting ready to go on stage the day that we caught up with this very talented fivesome. And you can watch the Y'all Show interview with We the Kingdom at y'all.com. We're going to wrap up this Tuesday show about the South after this break. Your calls and texts are welcome, 803-816-1170. We'll be right back, so don't go anywhere. close out a program with a little Alabama play and that's that's a pretty good little program don't you think welcome back final segment of this Tuesday show all about Dixie John Rawl thanking you for being a part of the fun and again if you missed any of this show it is a requirement we'll take away your southern credentials for you to go back and listen to the podcast edition of y'all talk with a southern accent easy to do that all you got to do is go to y'all.com the south's homepage. Or you can go to any of the following apps. And I know you probably got them on your phone or your iPad, so don't sit over there acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. We're available on Apple Podcasts. We're available on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, and Stitcher and Spotify. Oh, we're coming. We're coming for you. All you got to do is on any of those apps, search for Y'all Show. Y apostrophe A-L-L show and you should see our big red and white logo there so therefore you will not miss out on any of the excitement of our show about the South and we also if you don't mind kindly ask a favor of you please if you like what you're hearing tell everybody tell let me make sure I say this correctly tell everybody about y'all so that the world knows we become the kudzu of broadcasting and we just take over and unlike kudzu we're going to stay active all 12 months of the year we ain't going dormant on this show as we wrap up here on this tuesday edition let me tell you about an article that hits home for me and maybe a lot of y'all too and it comes courtesy of a new survey that was not done in this country so that's good news but I bet you 
those folks across the pond have something in common with us. This is a survey about how to work out and the excuse of avoiding workouts. The top 20 excuses. This was put out by a company called Spa Tone. And they looked at all kinds of factors. Again, this was in the UK, but eh, something tells me it's probably applicable here in the South too. The top 20 excuses many use for avoiding a workout. They're too tired. I've worked out a little bit in my life. And if I'm even thinking about working out, I'm not going to tell you I'm too tired. If I'm tired, I'm just not even going to think about it. I'm not going to give that as an excuse. Here's an excuse. The weather. Rain specifically. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Also, weather being too cold. One of the last times I worked out was right before Christmas. And I was having a goal I was trying to meet. I went running six miles, I think, that day. And it was about 25 degrees. And it was rain. It was raining. And it was cold. And old John endured. And I, dadgummit, if I didn't actually complete the run. Now, I haven't done it since. No, that's not true. I think I did run one time since that December trek through the streets but yeah too cold so i was raining i was running and it was raining and cold so i didn't have an excuse that day but i've had plenty of excuses since that day another excuse feeling sick well that's that's understandable why you don't want to go work out how about you just ate that's why if you're like me i don't usually when i do work out i prefer morning workouts something about eating a big meal and then going in even if it's two and three hours later I just like working out on an empty tummy. But some of you like to eat. Some people tell me that they like to eat like really healthy meals and then go in. Whatever works for you. We're just happy you're out exercising because we're all doing our part. Kind of stick around if you know what I mean. How about another excuse of avoiding a workout too late? Too late? Okay. No time. There's no time for you to work out. Well, I know what that means. In fact, the place that I often go to, that I'm still paying a $60 a month fee, by the way, to be a member of this gym, I haven't been to it in a couple of months, partly because since the coronavirus, they've changed their hours. And they used to be open pretty late, and now they're shutting down, I think, at 8. And that means for me to get there, I kind of need to get there by 6. Well, I'm doing the y'all show. I can't I can't sit here and take time away from y'all to go do something like working out. Come on. That's not fair to y'all. Y'all is in y'all, not y'all is in the show. How about this excuse on the top 20 list of excuses for avoiding a workout? You feel sore. Well, that happens, especially if you give it a good, good run. You're gonna feel you're gonna feel the burn. And I'm not talking about Bernie Sanders. Another excuse given. It's boring. Well, there's a lot of people who feel like running five, six miles is pretty boring. You know what? They're right. But one of the things that makes it a little bit exciting, if there's any excitement at all, and this isn't exactly a good thing, but when you're out running and walking, you got to be careful for cars or tripping on the sidewalk. Man, I dinged myself up pretty good back in my days of running a few months ago. i got to get out there again. This is my confession on today's Y'all Show of me getting up and getting going. Left work too late is an excuse, as well as planning to work out tomorrow. That's a pretty good excuse. Dark outside, that certainly is a factor when the time changes. 
Another excuse given, you worked out yesterday. How about you got other plans? An excuse often given for those who are trying to avoid a workout. Also, you got other plans. That makes a lot of uh, sense. Here in the South, this is not common, but you could use snow as an excuse for not working out. In fact, I'm going to try that one today. I am not working out here on July 20th because it's snowing, and I'm not going to go get that 20-mile run in. Also, an excuse that some of you might have, you're not going to work out because you got a hangover. Ooh, that's a good one. Doctor's excuse for that one right there. Also, an excuse given is you got to rest this week. And so, therefore, you just can't get out there and sweat it all out. Other excuses, you're too hungry, you don't want to work out in public, or you're planning an early night. Those, again, are some of the top 20 excuses that many use for trying to avoid a workout. Well, thank you for being with us here on this ride across the Southeast. We'll be right back here on Wednesday to give you three more hours of conversation about the South. John Rawl thanking you for being a part of the program.